We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, welcome in. It is Tuesday morning, the 7th of November. Election day for many places out there. Make sure you get out there and vote. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, as always, Scott Kennedy. Scott, how are you doing? Good morning. Thank you for taking the reins yesterday when we uh, had to we had to go longer for the Falcons show because WTF. And uh, <laughs> then we had to get out of here for doctor stuff. So thank you very much for uh, holding down the fort after I kicked yeah, us off. Happy to help. Want to say a special thanks to uh, Jasmine who came in after the fact with a big super thanks. Um, we see that we notice that and uh, you know, don't don't think just because it wasn't live. We we don't see it. We do. Absolutely. And uh, it means a lot to us that you would think of us after the fact like that. So thanks, Jasmine. Yeah, thank you guys so much. And if you're joining us today, wherever you're at, make sure you click a thumbs up on the way in. And uh, we would really appreciate that. We got one on the Facebook side right now. Patrick Wiltsey. Always good to see from Patrick. If you're on YouTube, share it out. Uh, let's get some people in here. Let's get it going. The bye week is over, but we're still kind of in an assessment phase. We will really kick into high gear with that Bills game, especially because it's Monday, uh, Monday night game um, this Thursday. But for now, uh, we're going to talk a little bit of awards, midseason superlatives, et cetera, et cetera. And if you guys have any award categories as well that you think of, this is obviously a very, I would say, the most interactive uh, sports live stream that there exists out there, let alone just in Broncos country. So do you guys have any award categories as well? Of course, we will get to you. And let's say hello to some people coming in here right now. We got Dave Glassman in the house with the hearts. Good to see you, Dave. Kevin Gray's in the house saying morning, Nick and Scott. Big mile high salute to Broncos country. Good to see you, Kevin. Also, we got our guy, Jeremy Sean, saying, Morning, boys. Broncos, he's given a D plus, but Broncos for breakfast given an A plus. We went and graded the Broncos positional group, Scott, last Thursday, I want to say. Sounds about uh, right. That's, I don't know. All the days mush together at this point, especially once the sun is just we're in the big dark now out here in Seattle. So, uh, big dark. I don't know what day uh, the sun's setting before five. I mean, it's, it's dark out here. Uh, but, I'd give the Broncos. I mean, they're three and five. I don't know if I'd give them a D plus though. I think they're probably a C, C minus right now. That should be a five hundred team. But you beat the Chiefs, right? You get like a double. That's like ace in a final uh, to me. So I, I'd give them a little bit better grade. Yeah, and then Benjamin Flores, we beat the MFing Chiefs. I go. I remember though. You know, my grades were a little bit less because it was a midterm grade, and we had mm-hmm. half of the three quarters of the season was an F. Mm-hmm. It was an H. It was it was an M. It wasn't even up there. It was like one of those 34% Fs. It's like, dude, you're you're going to have to ace everything just to get a good F out of this. Mm-hmm. That's where the season started. So if you look at it and say, on the whole, if I just look at everything right now and say three and five, 
you know, that's not up to expectations. If I look at the defense on the whole, I say, oh my God, what happened? This is an F, obviously. And then there's some good things. The running game's been pretty good. The offensive line has been meh. Russell Wilson's numbers are, are his, like I said, if we're just looking at numbers, Russell Wilson's numbers look solid. So, you know, I think I think a D plus in there, a D is is right. But the thing is, is the trend is going in the right direction. So we are just at the midterms. Now you've got a chance to finish strong and put together a season that, that, that I think Broncos country can be proud of. There's The opportunity is still there instead of, you know, where are the paper bags for the old Saints fans? That, that's yeah. where we were week three or four. It's yeah. very, very different now. And it's a good feeling. Yeah, it certainly is a trend in the right direction. We'll see how this Broncos team does against a vulnerable Bills team uh, with the Broncos having extra time to prepare and a Bills team that is in a must-win situation. So uh should be a very, actually a pretty good game Monday night. I know the spread I think is seven and a half to Buffalo. Uh, I, I will pick the Bills to win just because I need to see it multiple times from the Broncos, but I might take the Broncos in the spread there. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, Bama X in the house saying, good morning, Broncos country. Good to see you, Bama X. Colin, I see your question here. He says, most improved Nick Benito or Lloyd Cushenberry. That's one of our categories, uh, and we'll get to that at some point. I probably won't do most improved right out the gate. So I want to, we'll come back to this one in a second, uh, Colin, but did want to say good morning to you. Uh, we got Todd Ostendorf in here saying, how it do, Broncos country. Good to see you, Todd. Gary Palmer's also in the house. Always good to see you, Gary. Pearl Heater, hi. Benjamin Flores. Ben, we see you. I don't know what's going on with the picture there, but we see you, Ben. And Gary Palmer with the ben 499. Ben the uh, Mile High Huddle, the main account, main one today, and not hiding in the Superfans group, which gets locked out. So, there we Ben, go. I see you, Ben, in there this morning, uh, along with Patrick, David, Michael. So, it, it, it's made much easier to show up. And Gary's coming on YouTube. He, he says hello, and then he backs it yeah. with a nice green super. So, thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. Yeah, good morning to you, Gary. Appreciate you. David Schlosser's in the house too. Um, Hassy Bay uh, come in saying can't wait to, can't wait to watch the Broncos Bills and the Manning cast. That should be fun. I typically like the, just the normal um, <laughs> broadcast view because that's keeps me focused on what I'm watching. Uh, but um, we'll, I'm sure I'll get the best clips of that. Did you see any of the Manning cast clips from yesterday? I, I've had? actually never watched the Manning cast. Okay, they're fun. It'd be like if you. I no, mean, I, I like it. Yeah. I do, and I think it would be better on. For me, like you just said, you know, I want to watch the game. And, and mm. to a certain extent, I don't really listen to the announcers either. Um, I, I like it on demand, honestly. Like if I already know the outcome of the game and, and I'm, I'm, if I was going to rewatch a game, I'd probably rewatch the Manning cast. But yeah. uh, no, I think they're great. It's This isn't a, you know, I'm making fun of the not listening to these national pundits who do not know what they're talking about, but say it really loudly so they sound like authorities. Um, no, I, I think they're great. I just, I just, uh, you know, by the time we get done with the podcast on Monday nights and everything, um, the game's halftime already in and, and I'm just kind of picking up to see who wins the games. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, they're always fun. They had some good clips this week where they're asking Peyton Manning to do some like signals on the sideline. And Eli was just ran run through things and it was, it was a good time. Peyton's a, God, he's just a funny dude. We got Patrick in here saying aloha, gents. Always great to see you, Patrick. I opened up a new bag today, and uh, my God, it is heavenly. So uh, that's a uh, Lion Coffee Company, folks. Chase Wellner in the house. Always good to see you. Uh, David also says that uh, he would love to see the Broncos beat the Bills since he's in Bills country. Can shut up the Bills fans. That would be great. Uh, we'd uh, we'd really appreciate that. I Unfortunately, Denver doesn't play Seattle for a bit, and uh, the Russell Wilson trade ramifications run a little bit longer than the game itself. So, uh going to be a bit for where I'm living to shut up Seahawks fans, but I'm glad that hopefully we can give you some Bills fans uh, shutting their trap. I think 
I think they're probably a little bit nervous, so maybe they're not talking too much smack right now. Uh, Shane comes in, says, morning, uh, Broncos country. Been a while. One quick question. Isn't Kayvon Webster coming back off of an injury? Uh, I'm not sure. Kayvon Webster isn't sticking out to me in my head. Is that a Bills player here, Scott? Did you look yeah, up? I, I had to look him up, and uh, he was Denver Broncos in the third round of the 2013 draft. Is he from South Florida? Yeah, and he hasn't been in the league in almost four years now. So, so we might be thinking of somebody else, Shane, because it yeah. has been a while. <laughs> Where have you been, man? He's just yeah, waking up from a four-year coma. Kayvon's <laughs> back, baby. Um, no, Shane, um, I'm not sure who you're You know, Riley Moss is one of those guys, the corners you could be thinking of. Um, you know, there there's, have been some injuries. The uh, the Williams, the Kawan Williams, is someone you, you may have been thinking Kawan about, Williams. and I think he's done for the season. I don't think he gets to come back. I bet you that's um, who he's thinking of. Quan Williams is done for the year. He shut down. Yeah, so that might be who you're thinking of. Um, but there's there's nobody that we're really expecting to come back from injury. Broncos are, knock on wood, relatively healthy, especially compared to years past. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a uh, – we've said it many times on here, Scott. You know, one year, the injury luck, would just, just based on probability. It's every single year it's different. I know it's a gambler's fallacy if you want to get, you know, really technical with it. But, like, you can't be bottom – 10 and injury luck every single year forever when you're re-rolling the dice every time. Now, it's not a complete roll of dice because, you know, you brought in some guys that you knew about injury history, so that sometimes that tends to lead into it. But uh, so far, the Broncos have been relatively healthy compared to much of their peers. And you're right, Scott, the injury report, we'll find out Thursday, I believe it'll come out, not Wednesday. They do the first one on Wednesdays, but those are generally walkthroughs, so you don't find... And then when they go full go on Thursday, because... The one that I always love is the walkthroughs on Wednesday. It's like, oh, he was a full participant. Great. It was a walkthrough. Yeah. Listen, we all know it's way more fun to be there live for Denver Broncos football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Denver Broncos and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat with a wide selection of tickets available for every game. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors, that beautiful orange and blue. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Denver Broncos. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And would it even get pushed? I think they are pushing it back a day because of the Monday night. Yep. So might. I think we might not even get until Thursday. So, so Thursday could be, you, you might be right. It might be not day of the week, but it could be days until your next game. I'm not sure how that, how that works yeah. exactly. I haven't paid that close attention. I thought I heard that Peyton gave him an extra day off with that thing full week. So I don't know. We'll see uh, soon enough. We'll see what the injury report looks like. Hopefully nobody cropped up from doing something silly uh, over the bye week, which NFL you know, like teams working out on your own. That's very perilous in Denver. Yeah, that can be dangerous. Or, you know, fall in the tub. Uh, we've all been there. Michael Ronquillo in the house and good morning, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast with the super chat. Great to see you, Michael. We really appreciate you coming and supporting the show. Keith's in the house. Good morning to you, Keith. Good morning, Nick and Scott, who I'm surprised still has a voice. I'll I'll do some heavy lifting today on the uh, talking. That's been my I'm, I'm all uh, stretching ready to go. Oh, Larry that, Archer, and then I was screaming at the television for about ninety minutes yesterday watching Chelsea and Spurs. So I, I got in. I I found I did still have some passion. Chelsea's been so bad lately. I'm more. I've been sitting there watching the games like like Big Fangio. Um, but this one I was animated. That was animated. I know Kevin's in here. He probably watched that one. You're welcome, Kevin. He's a City fan. Still top of the table. There you anyway, go. enough soccer. Let's move on. Uh, we got Larry Archer said, good morning. Go Broncos beat the Bills. Last three weeks been a C plus, B minus. I mean, I, yeah, B plus uh, or maybe even a straight up B. I mean, you played tough on a short week at Arrowhead. And that was a one. I mean, you were pretty much out of that one because the offense was so lifeless. But it was a one possession game, I think, at the end. So it'd be pretty hard to rate them any lower than a B, B plus over the last three games. Now that's three out of eight. So we got you are what your record says you are. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out here the rest of the season. There's belief. Pearl Heater, what is your grade for the team plan as a whole? Not just the part. Kind of went over it, Pearl. But uh, yeah, B, probably a B, uh, C plus to B range right now, I'd give them. And maybe I'm just being super optimistic. But I'm I'm grading them as the season progresses. You know, it's like the teacher at the end of the year, like, well, he was a B, but because he was so much better the last, you know, two weeks, the last three weeks, we're going to bump that up to a B plus. I had a chemistry teacher give me an 89 after I got a 105 on the final. I'm like... Man, come on. Yeah. that I, I, I obviously learned. I aced the damn final. Yeah. How about the 90? How about the mm-hmm. A? Thank you. And that was my, that was my, because that was my only A, my only B that semester. Then I realized how easy it was to skip class in college and never made those kind of grades again. <laughs> I, yeah, sometimes I learned as much from the textbook, but that's all good. Brad, <laughs> coming in here, especially, I got uh, Khan Academy, YouTube stuff. That's, uh, that's always helpful too. Brad, $10 says Russ has to stop the fumbles. Better than Lamar's eight, but on the season, but still, well, you're you're totally right, Brad. Uh, that's probably my biggest frustration with Russell Wilson right now has been the strip sacks from within the pocket. And while he does have a lower number than Lamar Jackson at eight, the value that Lamar brings as a rusher in comparison to literally every other quarterback in the league is different. So I think you live with it a tad with Lamar. I'd be curious what the EPA is uh, added for each player in uh, rush attempts, but. Yeah, I mean, Lamar's in his own category, even because he's just going to take on a little bit more risk, but you're going to get much more explosive. So Russ has been good scrambling this year. I would imagine his yardage is probably in the top eight uh, for quarterbacks. But uh, yeah, he does have to have to protect the ball better. We just, you're not an explosive enough offense where you can live with turnovers. You're playing very fine margin football. He's tied for ninth in the NFL, um, which uh, in, in rushing yards. Yeah, I've got that wrong. How does Joshua, do- oh, he played with the, I was like, how does he have that many fumbles? Josh Dobbs right. has a bunch. Lamar Jackson has 10. Tua has eight. Zach Wilson with eight. Kirk Cousins with seven. Desmond Ritter with seven. 
Brock Purdy and Trevor Lawrence each have six, and then Gardner Minshew and Russell Wilson both have five. And then there's a whole bunch at four, but you know, it's it's not he hasn't fumbled a ton. He really hasn't. But like Nick's saying, it seems like they're coming in the worst times. Mm -hmm. They're the they're they're game killers when mm -hmm. they're happening. Uh I won't even say drive killers because it seems like they've happened and either led directly to seven points or cost you the the game that you were driving for the the tying or go ahead score. So they they've been exacerbated, but overall there really haven't been that many. They've just hurt. They have hurt. Yeah, and the big thing also is not to make this not Wilson's fault, but you'd like the defense to, you know, maybe just flex a little bit when something like that happens. You know, why don't you take the ball away? Why don't you get a three and out? It feels like almost every single time there's been one of those turnovers, it's been automatic points on the other side. They, they haven't. That was, that was where it started. I think it may have started, and I don't remember. I'm getting old and can't remember all these things, but I feel like in the Kansas City game, that's when they they really started turning a quarter with the red zone. The, mm -hmm. the the Chiefs went up and down the field, but then the red zone defense would pick up or they yeah. would pick up the team after a turnover and hold them to a field goal or a, maybe even possibly a punt. So complimentary football, I think the defense, that is one of the things that is most improved is the defense has been able to pick up the offense in, in times like that. So, yeah, but yeah, Brad, it, it's the and it's the ones where Brad, it feels like he should know better. You know, it's like if you're. If you're in the pocket and you're going back to pass and you, you know your arm gets hit, okay, you know that that's that's not your fault. But when I'm flushed out to the left and carrying the ball down, you know he's trying to make a play a lot of times, so he still has the ball in sort of a throwing position. He hasn't tucked it away. But when you're scrambling out and being chased by an edge rusher who's running four fives, you gotta you gotta get rid of the ball. You've got to get rid of the ball. You've got to get out of bounds. You've got to do something. So Brad, I, I agree. There's there's the, the ones that he has have feel like they could have been avoided. Like those are on him. And, and maybe that's it, Nick. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the fumbles that he's had feel like they are on Russ and not just the five fumbles. There's five fumbles that he could have avoided as opposed to a blindside hit where the ball pops out or he gets his arm hit or something like that. It's been, like you said, strip sack fumbles as he's trying to avoid pressure when he could have gotten the ball away. Yeah. Yeah, and there's enough of them at some point we, we could go back and, you know, analyze each one uh, but I can think of like just this last Kansas City game one Broncos very much in control and living with a punt at that point given how your defense is playing given the lack of explosives from Kansas City would have been okay you have a strip sack there and then Kansas City gets on the board with like only there was like only two minutes left in the first half I mean those are the margins that you're talking about in a game it's like you cannot just give up points like that when you're controlling it's uh, not to kick you while you're down Scott but like the the Falcons game giving up two touchdowns in the last two minutes of each half. It's like, that's when you really need to be controlling the game. Uh. You know how we like to use other sports as comparisons. It's almost like two elite tennis players and you get a service break. You know, there could be 12, 12 games that you got to win in the set, but a service break ends up being the difference maker. And something mm -hmm. like that, you said the margins are so fine that you can't be giving away points at the end of a half when a zero would have looked very, very good. Yep. Punting is not always the worst option. Turnovers are killers. Troy Boer coming in here. 999 says, Hey guys, so many lost opportunities. The uh, Las Vegas Raiders, Washington commanders, New York jets. Even one of those makes us four and four award to whoever is responsible for keeping morale up and keeping the players playing hard despite the chatter. Yeah, we'll get through some of those awards here soon. We want to get through the, the chat, but uh, you're totally right. I've been you know going through some of those games 
in my head. I mean, that Vegas one really looks horrible in hindsight. I mean, the Broncos could easily be five and three right now, but that's something, you know, we talked about a lot this offseason, and Scott and I've talked about it a lot in here. The NFL is the margins are pretty small. There's a very large middle class in the league. And I think the Broncos probably make up somewhere in that middle class. Cause I mean, you're right. A few of those games could have easily bounced the other way. Some bad turnover luck the first two weeks where it seemed like the ball was on the turf, but Denver never landed on it in those situations. And uh, you could be talking about a team that's four and four or five and three. Again, you are what your record says you are, but this is a team that's, you know, within that uh, 500 margin. So I think we're going to see a team that ends up about there as the season goes along. Appreciate the appreciate it, Troy. And and yeah, as I'm watching true. this and talking about the four and four teams, etc., it's the goal of the NFL is to get everybody 500, and they don't do that by making bad teams much better. Mm-hmm. They do it by making the good teams come down. And I swear, there's some really really bad football teams that are within a game of 500 on either side of it. We watched two of them in Atlanta last week. You know, four and five Atlanta against five and four Minnesota. That was a that was an awful football game. I mean, it was exciting, but it was just bad football. So yes, step up, take advantage of those, even one of those, and then because because the Denver Broncos are playing better. And you said award goes to whoever responsible for keeping the morale up and keeping the players playing hard despite the chatter. And I think a lot of that goes to Sean Payton. Hey gang, make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day you know how it is watching the broncos to say the least you work up a bit of an appetite but you can get ahead of that by ordering online during our pizza pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after nfl kickoffs plus all day sunday and get ready for some football and fun choose your favorite little caesar's pizza or pick the toppings you crave either way you win personally i'm a big fan of little caesar's plain cheese pizza but my favorite for what it's worth is the pepperoni with stuffed crust and speaking of winning everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup so grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game this episode is brought to you by pepsi wild cherry Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You know, the the calm. I've been there before. I've done this before. And, and I said really at the time where I saw it was in the game against the bears in the game against the bears. When I get, sometimes I get the bears in the commanders game confused. The bears jumped out in the big lead and the Broncos came back. And after that game against the dolphins, it would have been real easy just to curl up in a ball and quit. And they didn't. And, and at the time I said, I don't know how the season's going to play out, but as a fan, I will root for my team as long as they're still fighting for it for, for out there. I, I've said, if, if you don't care, why should I? I'll be a fan next year. 75% of you turkeys are going to be gone. Um, I'll start over with someone who wants to be Denver Broncos. This is a team that you can back. This is a team that has kept fighting. You know, they may have quit against Miami Dolphins, but that was a TKO. They throw in the towel. 
week to week, this team is still fighting. And that, that's a team you can root for and be proud of. And it's starting to pay dividends yeah. as the team is now starting to head in the right direction, Troy. They definitely feel like they're heading in the right direction. Uh, we will see what it looks like over these next few weeks. I got some feisty opponents coming up, but uh, I think the second half is not as daunting as it appeared to be originally. The Chargers have not been as great as many had thought, or at least they looked pretty good last night. But uh, said, we- the Chargers and Raiders both played a hell of a lot better than they've been playing. Yeah, but I think probably still not as daunting as it could have been. Uh, the Bills, for sure, not as daunting. The Vikings, not as daunting. I mean, you have winnable games uh, coming up here if you are in that you know NFL middle class, which seems like the Broncos are in there. So we'll see what happens. Nick, here's the way it goes, though. It's, it's it's you know for what goes up must come down. So you go, okay, Bills down, Vikings down, Browns even, Texans up, Chargers maybe down, Lions up, Patriots down, Chargers, you know, even mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. And then Raiders, I think they're up from where you played them earlier. So it all it all kind of balances out. You know, the Texans yeah. are definitely going to be a tougher game than you were thinking of when you when you yes. put the schedule out the first time. I mean, they could be feisty. We'll see what happens with the Texans. CJ Stroud had one of the best games we'll see the entire season from a player. So uh, playing great. Definitely might have already sewed up rookie of the year. Ryan Thompson coming in. Good morning, Broncos country. Ernie Mays says, go Broncos country only. Appreciate you. Hope you're doing well. We got Dominique in the house. And good morning, Nick and Scott. Denver Broncos for life. Guys, is it possible uh, Broncos can go 7-2 in these last nine games? Anything's possible. Uh, the, the Broncos, you know, win the turnover battle by plus four and go, what was it, three for four in the red zone and all that stuff and good special teams and all that stuff. They can win some football games. I think it's probably much more likely they are, you know, probably 500 down the stretch here uh, than anything else. But seven and two is possible and seven and two might get you in the uh, the dance, which is was the ultimate goal this season. For me, I think the two hardest games right now are at Bills and at Lions. Everything else is winnable, but the problem is, is everything else is also losable, which is where you know it just the Broncos aren't quite there yet. So mm-hmm. you go zero and two on those. You have seven games left, and then split them. Split the rest four and three. You're talking four and five. Maybe get a plus on that side. Five and four puts you at eight and nine on the season. I think that's where we are. Possibly is where this team is. Go beat the Bills, and we'll have a different discussion. Go beat yep. the Bills, and we'll start talking. Six and two on the way home. Yeah. Very, very possible. Yeah. If they beat the Bills, then we'll talk. And I I mean, I'm already a believer in competent football down the stretch here and being in it. Uh, We're we're out of the realm of, you know, the Caleb Williams, Drake May without a massive trade up, which I don't know if I would be in favor of uh, given the Broncos current set of draft picks and salary cap space. But yeah, they uh, beat the Bills and we're going to have a completely different conversation about this team going forward. Good to see you, Dominique. We also got Lance in the house and top of the morning, fellas. Uh, always a great way to start the day with MHH. Always a great day to have you join us, Lance. We appreciate you coming in. And he also says that the most improved vote goes to the offensive line and their coach. Well, you're stealing my thunder a little bit there, uh, Lance, about a potential uh, coach of the year for one of these awards. But uh, yeah, no, the uh, Broncos offensive line has definitely been improved. I know that some of the feeling i mean scott will have this conversation probably every year until the end of time fans i think are harder on the offensive line uh because there's only probably three fan bases in the entire nfl that look at the offensive line and be like yeah we're good i actually like our offensive line there's just not enough talent out there um defenses are really smart with understanding protection rules right now and sending specific types of fronts and dropping guys and sending guys uh to make sure that you they're getting a free rusher based on what your protection rules are. Uh, so it's pretty hard uh, in the NFL right now. And also, I mean, 
we'll just, you know, say it. Russell Wilson makes the job of the offensive line a lot harder because he is shorter. <laughs> so he doesn't always get the ball out in time. And he looks to hold on to the ball and try to create plays, which we knew that when we got Russell Wilson. I'm not saying that Russell Wilson is a bad quarterback because of that, but it just makes the offensive line look worse uh, when he plays that way. The New York Giants have allowed 49 sacks in nine games. My God. They're not good. So when I read this, Lance, I wanted to to flash this. I I like this comment. Now, I don't know that I agree with this. Okay? If I told you in the offseason I was going to dump, oh, roughly $25 million into the offensive line, would you expect them to be playing better than they are? I do. I think I don't because... the, for the resources that have been put into this offensive line, I don't think they are playing well enough. I think they're on the way up, though. So I think they're still getting there. It's a unit. You've talked about this a lot. It's a unit, and I think they're getting there. But Mike McGlinchey has been a disappointment. Ben Powers has been a disappointment. Garrett Bowles has been solid. Quinn Miners has been great. And Cushenberry is on the way up. So the three guys that have been there, I think, have improved over last year. So that goes to Lance's point. However... They've had the same coach for the same other two guys for the same amount of time. And I think McGlinchey and Powers, for what you have spent, been a little disappointing on the O-line this year. I think they've been a little disappointing. I think Powers looked much rougher earlier on um, and has been better down the stretch here. You are paying much more for just, you know, solid play but that's the market um if you're paying guys that reach the market at this point typically they're not true difference makers uh, unfortunately so the big one where i get the offensive line is that just look at the differences we've seen from the guys who were here last year compared to this year now maybe that's more of a push thumbs down on last year's offensive line coach but like cushionberry looks like a completely different player uh, i think bowls looks a lot better than we've seen since uh, uh munchak was here during Let's the compare uh, those guys to two years ago then because last year was a shite show as we know i think bowls is playing as good a football as we've ever seen from him mm-hmm. cushionberry is definitely playing better football I than agree. we've ever seen from him and i think uh, miners has taken steps forward too specifically which all to me um <laughs> points to the offensive line coach and the unit they're doing now one thing again i've said it on here a few times and i'll knock on wood the broncos are in a weird luck situation because they are starting the exact same five that was on your preseason depth chart as you are playing now and let me tell you folks that just does not happen uh and we talked about there's not enough good offensive line well you know when the offenses lines look really bad when you have to start to get to the backups um and we have not seen that um from denver this season so is their offensive line really really that good or is it they're seeing a little bit of luck and you know they don't have that one guy who's barely rosterable taking a lot of snaps because of injuries i mean it's just it is what it is i guess but that's something that you can't talk about how the offensive line has looked better without talking about a little bit of the injury luck uh that they've had as well but I think they've been a lot better, Scott, uh, specifically when they've leaned into the run game. That's what they're built for. They shouldn't have been throwing around 50 times, 40 times like they were early in the season. Uh, they're they're a run-based unit, and they looked much better down the stretch here. Yeah, I agree. I, I do. I But I'd still, I still expect more, and mm-hmm. I think we're getting more. I don't think right now, I don't think we've seen the best of this offensive line. That's yeah. good. That's a good yeah. thing. I expect more from this group. The resources have been put into it, the pedigrees. I expect more. And so should you. And so do they. Yep. Yeah, they've, uh, I think they're trending in the right direction, which is good feeling about an offensive line for sure. As we get into the colder weather months, Gatorade gaming's in the house. Good morning, Nick and Scott. What's good. Broncos country. Also great to see you there. And uh, Scott, let's start to get into some of these awards here. I think we should probably work. I wrote them down on my phone here. 
Uh, probably should work our way down to uh, MVP at the end, unless you'd rather start with MVP and just work our way through. No, I'm coming in cold on this, so it's going to be... Uh, I haven't seen these, so these are going to be gut reactions for me, Nick. Well, let's just get into it. Um, our uh, coach of the year to start. Um, I think that... Right now, I probably lean Zach Strife uh, from uh, Streifer Strife. I should <laughs> should know that, but the longtime offensive lineman for the Saints, first time offensive line coach, and that was a bold hire uh, by Sean Payne. Everybody talked about the intelligence, and eventually he'd be a coach uh, at some point. But for a rookie offensive line coach, I've been really, really impressed with what he's done so far this season. Uh, the the guys who were here last year were just seeing monumental steps forward. And it looks like they are starting to come together. So I'm, I'm going to go Zach Strife. Uh, honorable mention for me to uh, Mike Westhoff. I know he's not the actual special teams coach, but he sounds like he's the you know the man in charge of the special teams. The reason the other guy has the title is so they could bring him over from Minnesota. Um, ben Cot Cotliff or whatever. I can't remember the name. Uh, so I did want to give a shout out also to Westhoff because the special team has been that much better. But your third most important coach on any team, Scott, is your offensive line coach. Uh, and uh, he's been a pretty good hire, uh, in my opinion, so far this season. I'll try not to uh, to to back you up on this one. Um, as, as far as like just repeating, unless it's completely obvious. Um, how about Ben Kotwicka? Special teams yes. is a is a is a good shout. And frankly, I can't remember the guy's name that came in from LSU that was with the Saints. But Dan Dalrymple is this is also the strength and conditioning coach. So if I'm talking coaching. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go injuries on this and I'm going to go with the strength and conditioning coach. And Dan Dalrymple has been one of the coaches of the year of, for the, for the Denver Broncos. Now there were some injuries, mm -hmm. but it seemed like the injuries that happened early were players who were previously injured. It's like, yeah. Oh, well this guy got hurt. I guess it's not all on. And I'm already forgetting guys names. You know, the guy that left last year, well, that was the same guy that was, mm -hmm. that was, Tim Patrick getting hurt again. That was KJ Hamler getting hurt again. That was Greg Dulcich with a hamstring again. The same, those were recurring. But you mentioned, we look at the defensive line. We look at the offensive line. Those guys have been in there, knock on wood, healthy to an extent that we never saw in the three years I've been covering this team. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I did also want to give a shout out to uh, Michael Wilhoyt. Um, outside linebackers coach, uh, considering, you know, you had Frank Clark and Randy Gregory and that, uh, was not working. So you're now you're relying on seventh round pick rookie contract, Jonathan Cooper, the steps we've seen from Nick Benito, uh, getting Baron Brownie, right? I mean, even like Ronnie Perkins, who you brought in mid season is now playing a viable role in this defense as an outside linebacker. So I think Will Hoyt on the defensive side, uh, deserves a shout out as well. And, uh, yeah, I'm Defense is trending in the right direction, it seems like, overall. We'll see what happens against this uh, very talented Bills team, Scott. Uh, now let's keep it going here. We talked Coach of the Year. How about our Rookie of the Year? I think this is probably the easiest one uh, because, A, you don't have a lot of guys to choose from, and, B, there's just one who seemed to have more of an impact than the others. There's two names, but I think one There's two. Out. Yeah, there's two. Yeah. Um, my immediate thought was Marvin Mims, and then as I had a second to think about it just a little longer, I went Jaleel McLaughlin. So yep. I'll, I'll say Julian McLaughlin for rookie of the year um, so far. Um, I think he's had a chance to make more of an impact and, you know, getting a few more touches. Maybe I'm, I just like the underdog as an undrafted free agent, and I'm going to root for him a little bit harder. But I, for me, those are the two that spring to mind. And Marvin Mims was my gut reaction. My aftermath was I'm going Julian McLaughlin running back. Yeah, and uh, Gary Gaming also said the linebackers coach 
and I'm stealing his thunder. That was a good point. Um, <laughs> I was already heading that way, but uh, it was a good point for sure. Uh, we appreciate you. We got Tyler Brooks coming and saying, hey, Nick and Scott, uh, I think we were overhyping the Bills. Uh, you shut down Allen. It's a wrap. Running backs in the D on Buffalo is shot. Denver 27, Buffalo 21. Buffalo is going to be desperate, and Josh Allen at his peak is good as any quarterback in football. If he goes nuclear, look out. Uh, the issue with the Bills is that they're almost like completely reliant on Josh Allen right now. They're like they abandoned the running game, which Josh Allen's taking hits right now. You can get after him a little bit, and their defense has been one of the worst in football over the last few weeks. So, I mean, Denver's got a chance in this one. Uh, we'll see how it plays out, though. And, and Tyler, I agree. I, I said as much last night on Mile on the the Mile High Huddle podcast. Was I think part of what we're doing is romanticizing who we think the Bills can be, who they should be, rather than who they are, and who they are as a team that's lost two out of three, including to the woeful New England Patriots. However, at home, win Raiders, win Dolphins, win Giants, win Buccaneers. So. They're, they're, I think they're four and zero at home. Possibly, um, I, I may have missed a game, but they're. I, I think they're going to be tough to handle at home. We've we've got in, and we'll get into it more. But uh, your overall point, I agree with, and I, I admit it as much that we're we're thinking about who they should be and who they can be rather than who they are, which is a very beatable team right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I am a hundred percent with you on that. It's they're beatable and. We can get a lot more into the data and the numbers, but the Bills, they pretty much live in 11 personnel, or excuse me, nickel personnel on defense, no matter what. Uh, their numbers are insane. They're just going to trot out to a 4-2-5 defense. Uh, can the Broncos run on that uh, from 12 and 21 personnel? That's going to be a big uh, tell for if the Broncos can win this game. The Bills have been terrible after Matt Milano's gone down defensively, so hopefully they can take advantage of that and win the turnover battle. Josh Allen's good for two to three WTF, you know, put the ball in harm's way, plays a game. You need to not muff those. You need to not, you know, oh, alligator arms. Well, that could have been an interception. No, absolutely not. And also protect the football at the same time. So it'll be a great game. Uh, I'm really excited. And who'd have thought we'd be looking forward to a, I'm nervous to even say this because, you know, the universal smack us down, but like, I'm looking forward to Broncos on primetime versus a premier opponent, which last few years has not been the case. They're four and one at home. They lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars at home in a tight one. Yep. Yeah, that's it. It'll be tough uh, without a doubt. Luckily, run games travel. So we'll see. Uh, my rookie of the year, Scott, as well. I'm going to go with Jaleel McLaughlin. I know that people want a lot more touches for him in the offense. What did he get last week? Four touches. And every time he gets the ball, it just feels like it's different. I would say, you know, this isn't Madden uh, as well. So because he is so diminutive, uh, when you are with him, you lose a a schematic advantage because you are not keeping him in to pass protect. So teams will line up a certain way and get rushers where either this guy's going to be free or he's against the running back. And that's a big advantage uh, for the pass rush to do that. Also, he's still, you can get the ball to him and swing passes and you can do some things, but he's not really like a flex out wide receiver right now um, that you can see from that. Maybe that's something that we can get to in the future with him, get to some empty sets with him flexing out. And if you get him with a linebacker in space, then good luck. Uh, but right now he's a little bit of a, limited player because of what he what he causes you to do on offense uh but he's been explosive he's been awesome do you think there's a chance that we could have it be marvin mims when we to have this conversation again at the end of the season what does that look like i know that uh, absolutely i do and yeah. you know I, I think sean payton's probably tired of the question and because he I, I think he made a joke about it like i've got it mm -hmm. on my notebook right here y'all how to get marvin mims more touches because he gets asked basically every week 
Yeah. Because every time yeah. Marvin mm -hmm. Mims touches the ball, he's like, why isn't this guy getting the ball more? Um, so, yes, I think by the end of the season, we could absolutely, especially as Javante Williams is getting healthier and healthier uh, and looking better and better, that's going to eat into, into McLaughlin's touches. And Mims' touches should go up. They, they should go up. I'd like to see more three wide receiver sets where he's involved. Um, and, you know, you might have to change things the way you change around a little bit how you want to play, knowing that you have a tight end out there all the time, you know, and, and you're playing in a lot of two tight end sets. Um, Richard is going off here. Love it. I love the, I love the attitude, Richard. He says about yesterday and winning out. Whoever wants to win a Super Bowl has to win in the playoffs. And in order to do so, it helps, you know, if you've got home field advantage. If we go 12 and five, do we win the West and the number one seed? It's, I guess it's possible, uh, but I can't imagine many 12 and five, 12 and four teams getting the one seeds and tiebreakers. Typically you're talking, you know, two or three loss teams there. So uh, anything can happen. We still have half the season to go. And we talked about the NFL has a large middle class. So maybe you don't have as much extremes on the edges, but I'm having a hard time seeing the Ravens fall to 12 and five. And unfortunately, because of a lot of who the Broncos have beaten in their schedule. Now, granted, if they went out, the tiebreakers will change, but two of your three wins against the NFC. And when you have a lot of tiebreakers going on, a lot of times it's those conference games uh, come into matter a little bit more. So I would imagine it's pretty hard for the Broncos to get the one seed winning the West. If you finish 12 and five, you're going to have a chance because the, while well, the chiefs defense looks great, uh, I think they probably end up with, you know, four or five losses as well. Uh, things could change there. Your division leaders have two losses, two losses, two losses, three losses. So uh, again, I don't think, I don't think you have the chiefs, Ravens and Jaguars all losing. They'd all have to have losing records at the back end of the season in order to be, mm -hmm. or at least five and four, you know, at, at the worst. And I, I don't see that happening. So the problem, Richard, and this is the, the problem overall is you dug yourself in such a hole even if you start playing really well, you're still in 15th place out of 16 teams right now. And it's not just what you do, it's what everybody else does. So I've got to climb over all those teams and they've got guys on pods talking the same conversations we have. Cincinnati Bengals are hot right now. They are hot. They're hot. They're talking about winning out. So you've, you've got a, the Buffalo Bills are talking about, okay, we can get this right. The Houston Texans are pretty excited. Look, oh my God, look at our schedule. We're, we're in the... AFC South and we play the NFC South, you know, we're, we're four and four right now. We can go on a run. So, um, Las Vegas Raiders, it's all those other teams. So, you know, the, the odds of going, you know, winning out are slim anyway, Yeah. but the odds that everybody else is that everything else is going to fall in line that you could end up with the league's best record at 12 and five. It's just about zero. Yeah. And Richard says we'd win the tiebreaker against the chiefs. You're one and one against the Chiefs. You split this year. Um, I don't know. I, I think that would probably kick down to the next tiebreaker if head-to-head -head was involved because you're tied. Which would be conference, which would be division record, which right now is against you because the Chiefs only uh, only division losses to the Broncos. Denver. Yep. So uh, it's probably not happening. But God, uh, <laughs> just get into the darn playoffs. How about mm -hmm. let's just beat the Bills and then let's. Wouldn't talk. it be fun to have yeah. that conversation? Hey, it's eleven and six. Yeah. Let's start talking playoff seeds. God. Okay, <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, just beat the Bills. That'd be great. Uh, continuing, I I would go with Jaleel McLaughlin here, as I mentioned. Uh, I'm curious, Scott, do you think that because of the splash plays and the draft pedigree and whatnot that we, a collective we, are maybe overrating 
Mims a little bit. We see the the stuff, but I mean, he's fumbled the ball a lot when he's been out there, and he does seem limited in what they are asking him to do. I mean, is it just a, a situation where you know his body type and his uh, everything means he's a year off or so? I mean, what's going on? No, we're not we're not overrating. And I mean, if we're talking about this should be the number one receiver and, and a Pro Bowler, then yes. So I always ask that question: Where are you rating him? He's overrated. Okay, what are you rating him, Nick? I'm rating him as he should be wide receiver three. I don't think that's overrating him. Wide receiver sheath three should get between five and 600 yards. He's yeah. on pace for that if he would start getting the ball again. So, you know, 40 catches, 600, 700 yards, that's not out of the question. And I, I don't think saying that he, sh- he could be wide receiver three on this team is overrating him. I think that's where he should be. Um, so, no. Now, if I'm saying he should be a rookie of the year candidate and he should be a Pro Bowl receiver and he's the future of this franchise, yes, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Can he be a more dynamic weapon for this team? Yes, he can. Yeah, you'd hope so. Uh, Seems like he's been a little bit in the doghouse. Also, the Broncos have maybe started to go to a little bit of a different personnel grouping. Um, We've started to see heavy um, from them the last few weeks. I think we've seen 17 or 18 snaps offensively, which cuts into that 11 personnel with that six offensive linemen out there. Uh, so it will be interesting to see. And also you're coming off the bye week here. What are the new wrinkles and just points of emphasis on this offense? So far this season, the Broncos actually have been more explosive and a better EPA out of 11 personnel. I think a lot of that actually is because the explosives that you have from Marvin Mims early in the season. Uh, but uh, recently down the stretch, Broncos have been playing more heavy personnel, 12, 21, six offensive linemen even. And um, just curious uh, because that to me would say probably less Mims involvement still. You have packages out there, no doubt. Sean Payton's very game by game, matchup by matchup. But uh, just wonder what the, the the rest of the season looks like well, for Mims. What you can't do is design a play for him and then put him in and use it. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, that guy's in. Here comes the reverse. Yeah. Um, you know, that type of thing. So he's got to be part of the offense. And if he's wide receiver three, the, the problem is, is you, the question I ask is as much as this, team wants to run the ball and as the offensive line improves I shouldn't have to rely on my wide receivers as much but if I've got three wide receivers out there and two of them are Mims and Judy I've got a little bit of a problem blocking on the perimeter yeah and and maybe that's part of it right now Mims is too much alike Judy and I can afford to have one guy like like that out there but if I have two two guys out there who are minus blockers then it's gonna it's gonna affect my ability to run the ball but I still think Mims should be more involved and get more touches than he's been getting, which is almost none. And I don't think that's overrating him. I think that's, Hey, let's, let's get him the ball. He's pretty dynamic. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll feel a little bit better about this Broncos team going forward, because I mean, we all kind of saw what the chiefs just did to the dolphins. Now granted weird game, early time slot, Frankfurt, Germany, but uh, Denver looked, you know, okay against Kansas city, but then the Miami dolphins team that put up 70 and, could have put up more versus Denver again, not the same team right now. Uh, but they looked not hapless against the chiefs, but they were befuddled. I mean, what were they down 21 to zero in the first half of the game? I mean, it was a, they chiefs had answers uh, for the dolphins and the Broncos had answers for the chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we'll see what they look like now that we're getting different sample size or different teams rather than two of your last three games being against chiefs who maybe have one of the top three defenses in football this season. Lou comes in. He says, I'm dubious about all the talk about winning out. You don't say. If this was a Chiefs podcast, if this was a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, if this was a Baltimore Ravens podcast, I would be dubious about winning out. 
This is three and five Denver Broncos. They're playing better, but again, let's pump the brakes. I don't think anyone is seriously talking about winning out. I really don't. We can have the conversations. Hey, this would be fun if, but nobody is realistically in here talking about going nine and zero to finish. Come mm-hmm. on, man. <laughs> but he says, I'm just, but here's where it starts to get more realistic. I'm just relieved that we're relevant again. And in the conversation on Sunday, absolutely. If we do beat the Bills, then the belief will really start to grow. And again, if you do beat the Bills, I'm still not talking an 8-0 run, but I'm absolutely talking about playoffs. Absolutely. If you beat the Bills, otherwise you're 3-6 and with eight games to go and you've dug yourself too big a hole. Even if you are one of the eight best teams playing going down the stretch, the hole you dug in the first month of the season is just too deep. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, But you beat the Bills, we'll have a totally different conversation. It'll be very fun. Um... Even if they lose, season's not over, right? But uh, if you beat the Bills, we're we're feisty. Uh, we Scott, let's move on here. Um, Real quick question, yeah. and then I'll, I'll hand it back over to you. Uh, Clutchmaster says, is Mims what we wanted Washington to be? No. No. Uh, Montreal Washington was drafted to be a return specialist only. Gadget. If he got on the field at all, it was just gravy. Yeah. Uh, or something else has gone wrong. Mims was drafted to be a wide receiver. That can help return punts. Yeah. But when you trade up and you take a guy as high as you took Mims, he he, you need him on the field. You want him on the field. You're not taking a return guy uh, as high as you did. And you're not trading up for him. You take a return specialist on day three. Mims is being counted on long term to be a big part of this offense. Whether he's ready or not, that's up to the coaches. But the the draft process for him was to make him part of your receiver rotation in the very near future. Yeah. And with how hard it is to get explosive plays in today's NFL right now, with how defenses are playing, I mean, we have just an unbelievable uh, lull in explosive plays so far through the NFL this season, Scott. I've, I've sent you that uh, podcast where they talked about it. What was the number? Like the average rate um, compared to this year, we've had like 100 and something less explosives this season. Uh, t- defenses are playing really good football. Points are down. Passing yards are down. Penalties uh, are probably up, which is why bother – the, the explosive plays will take care of themselves. We'll just wait for them to get in first and 20. Yeah, that's <laughs> possible. Uh, the EPA per pass is down. Points are down. All the rushing data is the same, which is kind of odd uh, in the league. Considering It'll never happen country. the same way it's never happened for basketball. The field's too small for these guys. I would yeah. love to see them go to a Canadian football size field. I mean, a 10-foot rim's been around for 100 years, and there's guys that can reach up and touch the rim. You know, there's... <laughs> They can dunk flat-footed. This the mm-hmm. the fifty-five yard, hundred yard field for an Adafa Owe who's six foot six, two hundred and sixty pounds, running a four-three. The field's gotten too small. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that's that's a different conversation. Yeah. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see a little more space out there. Yeah, or we can just get into sprint football, right? The the uh, the body fat composition. Have you seen any of this stuff with the, I with the service academies? Okay, it's it's kind of wild. Um, offensive player of the year, Scott. Uh, for me, I am going to go with Cortland Sutton. Uh, he's been the go-to guy for this offense. I mean, what does he have? Six touchdowns on the year. Uh, the the fact that the Broncos are passing the ball as well in the uh, two score touchdowns has been big. And uh, Sutton's had some pretty big games out there. And you talk about the penalties as well. That's also a part of the uh, Cortland Sutton experiences, drawing pass interferences uh, down the field. So for me, offensive player of the year, I'm going to go with Cortland Sutton. Uh, debated a few other folks as well. This is a harder category, uh, but Sutton's been good. Uh, I'm going to have to give him the nod. He's been uh, he's a good player. Yeah, it's tough. Um, 
just because the ball has been spread out so much, you know, if I, mm -hmm. again, you asked the question earlier, if we, about Mims, if we go down the line, could this be a different answer? You know, I look at the rushing yards, 357 for Williams, 268 for McLaughlin. Russell Wilson has 200. You look at receiving yards and Cortland Sutton's leading with uh, 380 and six touchdowns. There you go. Um, that's pretty solid. So I, I, I like your pick. I'll go just in a different direction. Um, just so we're not doubling up and, and I want to shout somebody else out, but on offense, I'll go. How about Will Lutz? That's special teams. Um, point scoring. I'll go Quinn Miners. Uh, mm. I think Quinn Miners has been the most uh, dependable, best overall. Um, and just the, the, the heart and soul of what Sean Payton wants to do is Quinn Miners. He wants to bully people. He wants to beat them up. And then he wants to take his shots. So I'll, uh, I, I love the Sutton pick. And um, I'll, I'll go just go in a different direction and say Quinn Miners for offensive MVP, anchor of an improved offensive line. Keys definitely brings a mentality. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to go back and watch that Chiefs game again, focusing on the offensive line, but he's one that uh, if you have kids playing offensive line or, you know, you're, like, you're coaching high school level. <laughs> if you um, have kids playing defensive line, put a golf club in their hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But if you have, you know, if you're interested in what you know mentality looks like for a run team, watch Quinn Miners because he was following every play. There was one where he got tripped and then ran across the field another, you know, ten yards and pushed the pile. Uh, it would have been easy just to lay on the ground on that one. You know, plays pretty much dead. Now he gets up and runs it down. That's those are body blows that add up over time, and that's you know, uh, uh, pushing your will on the op opposition. So I mean, that's. The mentality comes there. Uh, really great to see defensive player of the year. Now he's been a bit up and down this year for me, Scott, but he's still one of the best players in all of football and the defensive structure runs because you have this player out there and that's Patrick Sertan, uh, your most valuable player. He's uh, been pretty good this season. Teams aren't really throwing at him so much. I think part of that is you'd like a little bit better pressure rate uh, to get teams to throw some, uh, some, you know, gimme balls. Also, you wish he had a little bit better corner on the other side that they wouldn't just look that way. But Patrick Sertan is going to be defensive player of the year for me. And he's not playing at all per level right now, but damn, he's still amazing. The highest rated Denver Bronco right now has 223 defensive snaps is Jaquan McMillan on PFF. If I make the threshold 250 snaps, do you know who the highest rated Denver Broncos defender is on pro football focus? 250 snaps. It's going to be... I mean, your Nick, obvious thought would be the same thing. It would be Pat Sertan, but it's not Pat Sertan. No. Nick Benito? It is Kareem Jackson. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, Kareem Jackson okay. at 72.2 is the 22nd ranked safety. And the problem is, is, you know, that it's hard to pick a defensive MVP because things have been overall so poor. Baron Browning has a very good chance of finishing the season that way if he can stay healthy and continue on the level that he has come back on. I'll go in the middle. Um, right now, I, I'm going, I'll go DJ Jones just because he's in there doing the dirty work. He was outmanned. We've said he's outmanned in there, taking on two and three blockers at a time because one of the guys next to him is brand new and is playing better. And Zach Allen, another step up in the, in the, in the, in the trenches and on that defense. And the other side of him is a replacement level I really don't want him taking snaps. God bless him and Jonathan Harrison. But uh, DJ Jones is in there doing yeoman's work in the middle of that line. So I'll, I'll go that direction. 
All right. Well, that's... But again, there isn't anybody really worthy of, oh, yeah, that's that's the guy. If we took him out, we'd we'd be really bad. No, you've been really bad. That's the problem, Nick. And it's getting, but it is getting better. So looking right now, Baron Browning might be the MVP of the last two weeks. Zach mm -hmm. Allen is in that conversation as well. Yeah, they are starting to get a little bit better. I do think there's somebody that if you remove Scott, the uh, the whole thing goes to mush um, from an integrity perspective on the defense. But uh, we'll get into that later from me. Um, comeback player of the year. We have Gatorade Gaming coming with a good one here. Um, Russell Wilson's obviously playing better this season, but he's not playing at MVP level. He's playing middle of the pack, maybe, you know, tier three level quarterback play, which is you can win when you have a good team around that. Uh, so that's he's definitely in the conversation, but it has to be Javonta Williams. I mean, unbelievable uh, to see that he's even playing after tearing multiple ligaments in his knee this season. Uh, I mean, I guess we shouldn't even question medicine anymore because it sounds like Rodgers might even be back this season. What the hell <laughs> with that Achilles that suffered week one? But uh, yeah, Javonta Williams, the comeback player for me, the fact that he had, what, 30-plus touches in this last game, I mean, just gearing up, looking better and better, uh, without a doubt for me, Javonta Williams. Yeah, and, and for me, he's the only one that's eligible. They've they've The, the idea that a comeback player of the year, and uh, this isn't you, Gatorade Gaming, this is just in general. They, they have a an award for that. It's most improved. That that mm -hmm. that was where Russell Wilson would have gotten that award. A comeback player of the year means for me somebody that was out, that didn't play for one reason or another, whether it was personal or <laughs> I wouldn't give it to a guy that was suspended, but uh <laughs> but injury. So for me, Russell Wilson's not even eligible for that award because he's not coming back, he's improving over one year or the other. A comeback player of the year was out. Javante Williams mm -hmm. was out. That that would absolutely be mine. Yeah, he's been awesome this year. Curious to see what the Broncos do down the stretch. Um, over the last three weeks, Denver's been eighth in the NFL in EPA per rush, and they've been awesome uh, running out of 12 and 21 personnel and heavy personnel. Uh, fifth EPA per rush out of five, uh, 12 personnel, third EPA per rush out of 21, and first in EPA per rush out of 12 heavy personnel. So six offensive linemen plus two tight ends. This is a team that's going to be playing, looks like, some condensed formations down the stretch here, which should be interesting, kind of a return to uh, return to origin here. And Broncos betting that teams not loading the box is something they're going to try to take advantage of. Now, can they create some more explosives out of those personnel packages? We'll see. That's the big one. Um, Keith Brugman says, Kareem Jackson is my comeback player of the year. He may come back from suspension numerous times. LOL, Keith. LOL. <laughs> That's uh... a... <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Um let me see here. And, and actually, most improved from the beginning of the week, Kyle talking about uh, Fabian Moreau. I think he was on the when, the, when Fabian Moreau first hit the field, his first three snaps, he had two holding penalties. So he yeah. started low, super low, and is playing at a very good level uh, this year. So, yeah, I, I didn't want to be a broken record with, with Fabian on there, but he's playing really well this year uh, in the last few games that he's been in. Long may it continue. Um, Mike asks a uh, question. Are we going to have most of our Broncos back off, off IR? I think the, for the most part, I don't know. Brandon, Brandon Johnson's not done for the season. Is he, or is he, I, I don't know. He should be back for the, for the most part. The guys that you're hoping to get back they're they're back. Yeah. I mean, maybe Bradley Moss finally makes an appearance here. He's off, off IR. So that's, he you know, that's, that's not, yeah. he's off IR. Baron Browning's off IR. You know, yeah. I'm looking at the guys that are on IR or, or out. Dulcich, he's out. Kareem Jackson is suspended. Brandon Johnson is a possibility. He went on IR week eight. Um, Jalen Virgil, I think he's out. 
Uh, Palczewski, I think he's done. Kwan's done. Jonas Griffith is done. Caden Stearns is done. And Tim Patrick is done. Everybody else is is coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, should be interesting to see who else could still, you know, make an impact here. But uh, you have some guys. It would be great to get Dulcich out there. But uh, moving forward, Scott, most improved player. Um, we had a comment Dulcich earlier. Dulcich is done because that's the second time he's been IR'd, isn't he? I think you're allowed to come off multiple times. Hmm. I thought I thought he was done for the year. I, I thought uh, once you brought a guy, you couldn't do that, but I could be wrong. The technicality, they changed them all the time. It used to be if you were hired, you were done, period. Yeah. Um, and then they, they've changed that around. But I'm, I'm not expecting Dul- – when, when Dulcich got IR'd again, I thought he was finished. But I could absolutely be wrong on that. Probably am. <laughs> we'll see. They keep changing the rules on that. But uh, uh, most improved player so far this season – I'm going to have to go with Nick Benito on this one just because he looked like somebody who shouldn't even come close to sniffing the field last season. And now he is a, they're doing a better job with his role. Um, as soon as Brownie was back, he was not demoted, but you know, found a more specific pass rush role. I love the quarterback spy stuff that we saw uh, Vance Joseph utilize with Benito as kind of mirroring Mahomes uh, in this last game. And uh, he's been great. Uh, I was very critical of the pick when it happened at 64, uh, but I am not here just to, you know, ignore um, things that happen when it goes against my initial thought on that. Uh, Benito, is Benito ever going to be a true, you know, starting caliber player uh, at the NFL level in, a, in the base packages? No, I don't think so. Uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think he has that body type. But as a sub package guy who can be ut- utilized in different ways and get after the passer. Yeah, I think he's somebody who can be a very good player for you down the stretch. And you need waves of guys in the NFL on the defensive line, and he can be a plus player in those waves. So Benito has been improved a lot. The sacks have diminished a bit. We kind of talked about some of those were a little fluky, but the pressures and the tape and the flashes are still there. Benito hats off, buddy. Um, Love pass rushers. And he's, uh, he's getting after it. And he's probably the team's second most physically gifted pass rusher. Yeah. Behind Baron Browning. So it's nice. You can get those two guys in a third and long on the field at the same time. And I'm not worried about the run game. You know, if, if pin your ears back and go, and if they decide to run a draw around you, so be it. Someone should be able to catch them by the time they get 12 yards. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, with Lloyd Cushenberry. Lloyd Cushenberry, as Larry says, where's Cush ranked among centers? On PFF, he is ranked 12th. Um, that's up from low 20s, which is where he's been his entire career. Lloyd Cushenberry has gone from a guy that we can't believe he is not getting replaced to all right, are we talking a new contract for Lloyd Cushenberry for next year? And and is he does he does he resign as a free agent? Hey, can we get a comp pick for him if he doesn't? Um, the and some of it isn't even just the the physical thing. The last last year he was, and I don't know if he was schemed up where people were head on him way more, but he was getting pushed back immediately. Run game, pass game. That's not happening as much. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, possibly, is the communication among the offensive line where he is coming off of his blocks to pick up somebody coming from the other side. He's recognizing stunts, all of those type of things where he is playing the game better and better and better. And he's become a guy that you can count on to not be a liability on the offensive line. Now that's damning with faint praise. I know, but he was horrendous last year. He was a, I don't know. Is it sieve sieve? He was a turn. He was a turnstile in the middle of the line. And it just, you can't do anything on offense with guys coming right through that's not happening anymore. And the Denver Broncos offense is much better for it. Lloyd Cushenberry, most improved. He's been awesome. I uh, really do want to give him a shout out as well. Cause you and I were both very critical of his play last year. And I'm guessing 
So was Lloyd uh, and probably the offensive line coach. He looks better this season. Scott, even in the last couple weeks, he's started to look a little bit more mobile Mm -hmm. as well. Like I'm seeing plays where he's actually out in space and hitting blocks, which I didn't know was in his wheelhouse. But again, that's that's recognition. I'm like, I know it's in your wheelhouse to pick up a stunt. That Mm -hmm. that's, that's just recognition. That's awareness. Yeah. So is it your footwork? You know, what is it to get out there? But in, yes, last week against Kansas City Chiefs, for the first time I saw him successfully, and I know this sounds awful, but the first time I've seen him successfully get outside the hash marks for a screen pass. That's yeah. a start, man. It's, you couldn't run that play. How come, Scott, how come the Falcons or the, the, the Broncos are so bad at running screens? Because your linemen can't move. They can't get outside. You know, Lloyd Cushenberry would show up just in time to help up the running back who had three defenders on him. That's changing. And if the if you can get more than one guy involved in the screen in the screen game for this offense, it's going to become a weapon for Sean Payton because he wants to use that 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 those plays. He was making adjustments. We saw it, and I don't remember which game it was, but the first play it was a backside screen to Jaleel McLaughlin. And he had a single Quinn Miners as his single blocker out in front of him. That was how he was starting to run screens instead of multiple guys. Usually you see three guys out in front of you on a screen. He was running backside misdirection, single lineman screen plays. That's yeah. changing. He's adding to it because he, he wants the, the running backs to have the ball. And part of that is because of um, the, the improvement of the interior line is specifically Lloyd Cushenberry. Yeah, they've been great. And also, we got D Porter coming in being great to us. And good morning, Mile High Huddlers. Good morning to you, D Porter. He says, have a great election day, everyone. Yep, as soon as this show's over, I'm going to go drop the uh, the ballots off of the ballot box. So uh, make sure you get out there and do that. You know, a lot of school board stuff on the ballot this year for me. But uh, hey, maybe I'm going to be in those Seattle public schools here pretty soon. Good to see you, D Porter. Appreciate you coming in here. Um, Scott, going forward here, we got a few more. Um, we had most improved player. Real, real quick on this while we're still yes. talking about Lloyd. Todd says PFF ranking Cush 12th. I'm seeing 19th. You may have um, ignore snap minimums. That may be the difference on there. So it could be guys that have just a few snaps. I have mine ticked on. Um, so it is. it includes basically starters. And it's got 12th between David Andrews of the Patriots and Andre James of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, ninth, Creed Humphreys. Number one, believe it or not, guess who the number one ranked center is by PFF? Because they love this dude. My guy. Drew Dahlman. Drew Dahlman. Drew Dahlman, Atlanta Falcons, is the number one ranked center. Shoot, Falcons fans are trying to replace him. Drew Dahlman, let's bring this back to the Broncos, was the player that the Atlanta Falcons drafted with the fourth round pick that they got when the Broncos traded up to get Javante Williams. Yeah. And he's now the number one, the number one ranked center. A lot of that has to do, if I sort that by pass blocking, he ain't going to be number one anymore. But uh, run blocking, he's ranked pretty high. Yeah, and uh, just bringing it back to Cushenberry, you, we're going to have a have a tough conversation this offseason because people are going to, oh, you're going to let him walk as soon as he is good or finally contributing. Well, you're already paying Garrett Bowles, who we'll wait, wait and see on that one. You're paying Ben Powers and McGlinchey next season. And then you have Miners, who only has one year left of cost control. It's probably going to come down to pick one. Who would you rather keep, Cushenberry or minors because I don't I don't think it's going to happen where you can I, don't, pay I don't think it's going to be a financial decision for my for for him. Cushenberry's not going to get so much money from someone else that you can't keep him. I don't I don't think so. You're you're probably right, but the margins for Denver and the cap are so small. With you can, the, you the can figure Wilson. out a way to come up with an extra three or four million dollars if he goes from two to six. That's about as much as I think he'll he'll get. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Uh, most disappointing player. 
uh, for the Broncos so far this season. So a little bit uh, negative on this one, uh, but somebody who's been disappointing for the Broncos for me, I'm going to not like I'll, I'll take one here that I think is a little bit easy. And that for me is Damari Mathis uh, early in the season was horrific. He's been benched. Now you're really hoping the flashes you saw from last year, him being a very early fourth round pick. Hey, maybe we have a cost controlled cornerback to somebody who can, you know, really provide something opposite from, uh, uh, Patrick Sertan, and he's just been he's been dreadful uh, this season. So I'm going to have to go with Mathis. I know that there's other options out there who have also been disappointing, but he's the one who I thought at least we needed to spend a second on being disappointing because that cornerback spot's very important. And the fact that you're getting benched for Fabian Moreau, who's been okay, but like still Fabian Moreau, uh, not great. So he's been disappointing. This list is long and distinguished um, for disappointing Broncos, unfortunately. Uh, my number one coming in is already gone. If, if I say, if I look at the, the, the roster for 2023, the answer for me is Randy Gregory. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just horrendous and so bad that he got shipped out despite the fact that you're paying him a ton of money. That's how bad he was playing, playing, let alone whatever else was going on behind the scenes. Mike McGlinchey is out there for me for a most disappointing ad. He's getting paid top five money and he's playing not even really an, on an average level right now. Um, I'd like to see more from Drew Sanders. You know, it, w- whether you can say, is he most disappointing? No, no. But, uh, you know, with that type of athleticism, I think a lot of us had hopes that he was going to come in and, and be an impact on defense. Um, those are the main ones. And then, and I think uh, Kyle comes in for me, mm-hmm. Greg Dulcich. Uh, he says, it couldn't have been more depressing than your only tight end always being hurt. So that's that's disappointing. And Mike says Jerry Judy. I'm not my expectations weren't through the roof for Jerry Judy. You know, if I think if he finishes the season in, you know, the eight, nine hundred yard range, which he still can, I think I think that's okay. It's about where we were on him. Um, but Dulcich is gonna be way down from where you were expecting. Randy Gregory has been a complete and total utter failure, and Mike McGlinchey has not been what you paid for. Yeah. Zach Allen could have been there, but not anymore. I think Zach Allen's becoming the guy that you you bought, and he's going to be a big part of this defense moving forward. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so he's been definitely disappointing. And Scott, uh, final one I want to get into here: MVP so far this season for the Broncos. Uh, oh, we already did this. No, we didn't do MVP. Saved it last. <laughs> so it's the last one here. Um, I thought we had Sutton and then I took minors, or was that just offense? That was just offensive player of the year, All and then right. we did defensive player of the year. Have not done MVP yet. My MVP is going to be Justin Simmons. Uh, I think what the defense looked like without him, I don't care what the PFF grade says. Uh, I can look at the numbers and I look at the turnover differential. Nobody takes the ball away like him. And the defense looked like a damn chicken with its head cut off without him out there versus not just the Miami game, but against the bears game too. I mean, God, they were terrible against the bears on uh, defense. They've looked like they've stabilized some. And I think that there's, Something we said about also the locker room aspect with Simmons uh, being retained, just being out there. Uh, probably on the surface, if you're looking at actual win value added, if your quarterback's even playing average level, it's probably always going to be the, the quarterback just because of the actual value provided. But I don't think Bolson has played well enough um, overall to for me to give him the shout out here. So I'm going to have to go with Justin Simmons. Uh, I think just think his value is it's hard to even quantify. It's almost like a catcher in baseball. It's like, you got your Molina's war is never that high, but like, okay, I don't give a crap what your war says, what his impact is because of his ability to call games and whatnot. So yeah, I'm going to go and with Simmons and I'm okay with that. Hello, Mr. Kendall. 
Dad. Appreciate you coming in. Thank you for the support. Appreciate uh, you. Looking forward to meeting you one day. Uh, thank you so much. You want to say hello, Nick? Come on, be polite. Hey, Dad. Appreciate you. Love you. I hope you're doing well. Happy belated birthday. It was just his birthday um, oh. a few days ago. So well, uh, Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Um, no, I'm okay with Simmons. And I think at the very top, I don't remember who it was, but a callback to uh, a good comment. Whoever did the most to keep this team together and playing hard uh, should get a shout out for this. And, you know, my initial reaction was Sean Payton. But you can't do it without the locker room. You can't do mm -hmm. it without the players. And one of the reasons Justin Simmons is still here rather than traded and try and get some money back off that contract is because he's still worth more to you out there um, as you're trying to finish the season strong playoffs or not playoffs than then you would have gotten in a trade. So I really liked what I saw from the Denver Broncos from a heart perspective, a bounce back and a comeback. And whether it was against the Chicago Bears, whether it was against the Green Bay Packers, going up against the Kansas City Chiefs again, I've liked what I've seen with the fight in this team. And a lot of that has to do with the veteran leadership out there. So mm -hmm. if you say who's the, the big veteran leader on this team, it's probably got to be uh, Justin Simmons there. And then on the other side, it might be Cortland Sutton. Because I think I think Russell Wilson, you say, okay, well, Russell Wilson is, a, is always super positive. Yeah, but it, it's almost there is no off switch for him, so you just tune him out. Yeah. You know, there, it's always, it's always, yay guys, we're awesome. You know, everything is awesome. Um, that you, you tune him out a little bit where I think Simmons and, and a guy like Sutton, who's been there a little longer is probably a little more real. Yeah. And impactful. I agree with you. I agree with you. And, uh, have some comments coming in here. Uh, Jules underrated. Jeremy said, I think Ju Josie's valuable as Simmons getting the team together. Um, the thing is Simmons takes the ball away at an incredible rate and the, impact you get in turnover. It's hard to take the ball away in the NFL and how in turnovers are also volatile. Uh, they are very unpredictable week to week, year to year. Simmons just takes the goddamn ball away and it's, it's unbelievable. Um, so there's value been underrated since I've been covering the Broncos. Oh, I said that week one of <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I thought this, this, this was the guy was described as a plugger who you're trying to place. And I'm yeah. watching jewel. And I'm like, this, this guy goes sideline to sideline pretty good. He's a pretty damn good linebacker. Okay, Scott, you're going to make me do it. I had two more categories here. We're just going to cheat on this one. Most uh, underrated player. I think we're both on the same page here. Uh, I was going to say I had it most overrated and most underrated uh, listed as a category. I was going to have Jewel as a uh, most underrated just because the he does have limitations. Scott, I feel like more so in the size department than the athleticism department. But if you have him isolated against a wide receiver running back in space and man coverage, guess what? <laughs> He's going to look like a lot of linebackers out there. But as far as what he brings from the ability to make the play that's in front of him and be in the right spot. He's just steady Eddie. Um, so I think there's a discrepancy. You're not going to get a lot of splash plays from Josie jewel, but you're not going to see a lot of negative highlights as well. And there's a lot of value to that when you're talking about playing team defense through the spine of the defense. So jewel is super underrated. Wanted to give him a shout out. Golly, I mean, I just have a hard time picking MVPs and underrated and stuff for a team that's 32nd, you know, right now, I think they've moved up to like 30th in scoring. Yeah. It just it just hasn't been it hasn't been the 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 hole has not been good on this. Jaquan McMillan it's a little, it's also a easier for me. It's a little yeah. easier for me to Keith for Keith to say worst value versus worst contract. So the worst value right now on offense is not Russell Wilson. That might be next year. It's Mike McGlinchey uh, mm -hmm. right now. Because um, Sutton's highly paid, but he's a, he's about where he's 
if I look at his yards, I look at his touchdowns, and I look at contracts, it, it, it lines up nicely. Mm-hmm. If I look at uh, Mike McGlinchey, it does not. He's one of the highest paid right tackles in the league. On the defensive side of the ball, $18 million for Justin Simmons. We just got done praising him. He's not playing on that next year. That will tell, for me, we'll see what he's being paid next year will be better in line with what his value is this year. Is it $18 million? Probably not. Uh, Did want to give a shout out as well um, for the underrated aspect. I think Garrett Bowles has been playing very good football here this season overall. Um, Again, just we have not heard his name much, and that's a good thing from your left tackle, especially in the right tackle struggling as much as they are. Um, And I also wanted to give a shout out to Jaquan McMillan, who has been a relevation for the Broncos at that slot spot. Is that the right Revelation. word? Revelation. There you go. I mean, I've been relevated for sure for it by him, whatever the heck that means. Uh, but he's been, uh, he's been awesome out there. It's small sample size, but uh, you may be found one of your starting defensive backs next season uh, and the rest of the season, which is great, uh, great value. So that's awesome. Those guys are all underrated and excited to see what they can do uh, going forward. Uh, overrated for the Broncos here, Scott, I think just based on the, this is going to be a cheating one really, but I think people are so excited for new and different at safety that the talk surrounding PJ lock and the film, even though it's a small sample size is like, man, we are not watching the same game here because PJ lock was probably the worst defender on the field in that chiefs game. And I know that big pick versus the Packers, man, he looks over his skis and maybe also it's had uh, overrated since PFF hasn't graded so high, but uh, Kareem Jackson limited as well. Um, I don't know if I would have him as high as they uh, talk about him. So, uh, those two safeties are uh, still got some work to do. Um, I want to help our friend here. If I can find him on this, um, if I list 100, depending on where I look, but you know, Todd says Alex Singleton is ranked. Sorry on this one. Well, we yep. led this one too. John Juno says, love you guys. I'll keep me staying with the constant Bronco talk. Alex Singleton is ranked fourth by PFF at linebacker. Uh, maybe last year, this year, They've got him ranked, and I think this is actually a little unfair. He's ranked 70th, 7-0 out of 80. So, Todd, I'm not sure where you're looking at the PFF stuff, but that's he was he was ranked really high last year. This year, it's uh it's 70th. And I don't think he's that bad. I, I think he's been okay, yeah. done a job, but I don't think uh it's certainly not fourth, but I don't think 70th. 70th is what it actually is. But I, I don't think he's been playing that bad where he's one of the worst guys on the field in the entire NFL. I agree with you on that one. Um, I'm looking for him here, Alex Singleton. I out of uh You have to go linebacker. to page two when you flip it to linebackers. I flipped it. I have a so two hundred and seventy one on, on the main list and seventy if you look at his uh on his profile page on the Denver Broncos list, it says seventy. And then if I click on the list, it's seventy one, which is you know pretty atrocious. That is not great. Uh, I just checked out, uh, unfortunately, uh, Scott, um, I did it out of uh, 125 minimum snaps at linebacker just to see where he was at, and he came out about 76. Do you know who's dead last in defensive grade from PFF uh, out of 89 linebackers who qualify? Well, has Drew Sanders gotten that many snaps? Drew Sanders has 126 snaps, and he is the worst-ranked defensive player at linebacker in the entire NFL so far this season. Number two, a guy that we talked about a good bit in here, um, the next worst linebacker in football, according to PFF, Chad Muma, 
um, who has struggled a lot uh, since joining the league. So uh, we'll see. Um, but uh, Sanders has a ways to go. I'm very happy that uh, Jewel and Singleton have been relatively healthy uh, because Sanders doesn't look like he's there yet mentally. Um, but uh, Scott, we ran long. We had a lot of fun things to talk about today. You guys are killing it. Appreciate all the stars coming in. Uh, we also had Gary Palmer. Brad was in the house. Michael Ronquillo came in twice. Troy Boer. Richard coming in from across the pond. D Porter and the old man, Darren Kendall. Appreciate you. Happy ber- belated birthday again, uh, Dad. Uh, any final thoughts before I send it on home, Scott? No, I'm looking forward to some football again. It feels like we're slowing down to get it. It almost feels like July. Ready, mm. ready for some football, though. We'll be back on Tuesday. Uh, Nick, you'll be here tonight, I would imagine, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with building the Broncos. And then we'll be back on Thursday. And you can check out Mile High Insiders on Wednesday. So lots of Broncos coverage all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at Scott Kennedy. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also follow us at uh, BFB underscore pod, as well as at, at Mile High Huddle. If you haven't done so yet, join us at Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle and Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle pod. And as that ticker says there underneath, if you are joining us on YouTube today, please subscribe to the show, like the show, and share on your social media platforms. I will be live again tonight. Uh, and, uh, oh, there we go. There it is. Muma. 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 There he is. You know, and he might be graded low uh, for the Jags, but the Jags have been one of the better defenses in the NFL well, they, so far they this season. they put a ton of resources and money into that linebacker core. Yeah. And no matter who it was going to be, someone was going to rise to the top. Foya Luakon is playing out of his mind. He's been awesome. He's been them. playing terrific over there. Yep. Yeah. Very, uh, very, very fun uh, to see him playing well. And it's fun to see that Jags team um, this season playing good football. Sometimes the tank works, Scott, uh, but uh, guys, we're going to get out of here. Hey, I'm all for tanking, man. I, They're going to reward you for losing. Guess what? Lose. Yeah. Oh, A lot no. of time. He said he was tanking. Yeah. <laughs> What do you expect? Yeah, how's that? Uh... Golly, it's basic psychology for God's sakes. If I'm, if I'm going to reward you for losing, what do I expect you to do? Yeah, and that Ooh. might be a wow, fun, a fun offseason conversation, right? Teams that like approached tanking from a front office perspective, not an in the locker room, because I don't think you can do that. No, you can't. Those guys have jobs to do. Those their yes. jobs to go out there and put forth their best effort. But from a front office perspective, you know what? And, and guys with longer contracts, listen, I'm uh, my hamstring's a little sore. I think I'm going to sit this one out. Um, but from a front office perspective, when I'm a seller at the trade deadline, guess what that means? I'm tanking. Yeah. I've already given up on this season. I'm stocking up for next season. Yeah. And four of the more obvious uh, tank teams recently, Scott, um, that come to mind. Now, maybe this is some selection bias because I'm only remembering the positive ones. But like uh, the Jags definitely were tanking that year with uh, Trevor Lawrence. They look like they're pretty good. Uh, the Dolphins, the tank for Tua. I mean, everybody knew that, and they end up getting three, but still taking a shot at the quarterback. They look pretty good. Uh, the D- Detroit Lions um, definitely teared, tore down, and now we're very good. And then how about the Houston Texans? God damn, that's a team that last season, everybody's like, oh, they're tanking for the top quarterback. They win their last game because locker room, not tanking, but front office perspective was tear down, tank, rebuild. And now they hit on a quarterback. I mean, and their coach, it looks like. And D'Amico Ryan even be more. I mean, well, no, not if, if if you're playing at the level that CJ Stroud is your yeah. coach independent. Yes. But D'Amico Ryan's is he's uh, he's been a good hire so far. Yeah. So uh, just kind of fun. Uh, just interesting to talk about and see. But guys, we appreciate you. 
Make sure you get out there and vote. Uh, have a great rest of your day. I'll see you again tonight. Until then, continue to choose compassion and kindness. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.